So our scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And here's where I will ask, if you don't mind reading scripture or coming up here, if you'd like to read the scripture for the week, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to sign you up for that because it's good to hear uh, different voices up here. So here's what it says. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For indeed, the good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, just as God has said, as in my anger I swore, they shall not enter my rest, though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. For in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows, and God rested on it, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again it says in this place, they shall not, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains open for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again he sets a certain day, today, saying, through David much later, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later about another day. So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through such uh, disobedience as theirs. Here ends our reading. So we're reading this letter to the Hebrews. Is it a big book? No. Can you read it in less than an afternoon? Yes. But will you understand it? <laughs> that passage we just read is pretty heavy, right? And in school, remember in English class, you'd be reading Shakespeare and you'd be like, what, what's this saying? And then the English teacher would do what? Explain it. And then Shakespeare, oh, wow, this guy's a great writer. That's what we do here at church. These, this ancient book has things to say to us, but it was written a long time ago. So I'm going to help us translate it. The letter to the Hebrews pulls us into the Old Testament story. That's what you should think as soon as you open up to this chapter in the Bible. Think Old Testament story. It wants to invite you behind the scenes into what God has been doing with human beings since they gained consciousness. Consciousness is our unique superpower as people. Cheetahs, they'll beat everyone here in a race. A bear, he can beat all of us guys up. And uh, dolphins, they can glide gracefully through the water at speeds you and I can never reach. Birds can fly through the sky. But they don't, they, they're missing one thing that we have. Consciousness. A full Consciousness. And our consciousness is linked to our ability to be aware of the world and space so that we can manipulate it towards favorable human living conditions. Has anybody ever, here ever seen a lion with a farm? 
No. Has anybody here ever seen desert creatures say, this is the worst place to live, let's go move somewhere nice? No, because they have limited consciousness. Who can do that? We can. That's our superpower. So just like a child goes through stages of growth and development, so has the human race gone through stages of growth and development. Despite all we hear, and there's a lot of bad stuff that we hear on the news, we actually live in the most favorable time in human history. Steven Pinker, the Johnstone family professor of psychology at Harvard University, wrote a book called The Better Angels of Our Nature that talks about how on every metric, the human race, despite what we hear and see, is actually living in the most peaceful and healthy period in, of human history. While humans aren't perfect, we're actually trending upwards. People today have more freedom to get the education they want. They have access to better health care than has ever existed in the past. We've made giant leaps thanks to the civil rights movement. And our society has grown into a very inclusive workplace. The truth is, we rarely take a step back to see we're actually developing and doing it pretty well. Growth and development is a process that we all go through individually. Do you look the same as you, do, you did when you were born? No, you've grown and changed. Uh, so has the human race. This means that when we look at history, we'll actually see things getting better as we learn how to master our consciousness. That is, the more aware we become. Religious people use the word enlightened instead of aware. So the more enlightened become, the more enlightened we become, the more we grow and develop. Why is that? Well, it's because we rely less on our primitive and brutish natures by tapping into our inner natures. This is a result of our awareness around, and then the result of this is uh, an awareness around issues like human rights. Once it comes into our consciousness, into our awareness, we actually naturally repent, and over time we turn around and make adjustments to have a better society. Now you might be saying, Sean, why this human survey, this, this survey of a human history and consciousness? It's because the Old Testament is a story about how human beings developed an understanding of God despite not being fully aware of God. And the Gospel of John tells us how little we knew about God until Jesus came on the scene. It says this, No one has ever seen God. Imagine you've been reading the Old Testament your whole life, and somebody says on the, next, on, on the page in chapter 2, uh, Nobody has ever seen God. That would be a little shocking, because you thought the whole time you were hearing directly the full God. But here's what it says in John. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. So when you read the Bible and think, this Old Testament, God, seems a little different than what Jesus taught, you are right. The Old Testament was written by a people who had a limited sense, a limited awareness, a limited consciousness of how the world worked and how God worked. That is why when you read the Old Testament, they accept slavery. That's why women in the Old Testament 
have less rights. And it's why the laws in the Bible, in the Old Testament, seem so archaic. And I just want to remind you, we only talk about 10 commandments in the Protestant church. There's actually 618, and one of them says, you can't have a cheeseburger. (laughs) Moses says that you can't put meat and dairy together. So this is why you can read about how God had told the Israelites to go and wipe the enemies off the face of the earth. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to his disciples? Go wipe out uh, Galilee, because they didn't believe me. (laughs) No, you can't picture that. This is where sometimes, sometimes people will take the Bible and say, I can't read this. This sounds horrible. But Hebrews is going to help us. It's going to show us how God worked in human history to raise up human beings according to their awareness, according to the development of their consciousness so that they could understand the full and clear image of who God is. Jesus explained the full God to the people, and here's what the gospel says. Why would they use this word? It says, and the word became flesh and lived among us. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. John the Baptist told us that Jesus' mission was, right in John, in John chapter 1, he writes this, the true light. So if you ever want to know why Jesus came into the world, this is what it says. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus represents the fully aware man, the fully conscious man, the enlightened one. And you know what he's going to do with his life? Sit on the top of a mountain by himself? No, he's going to enlighten others. That's why Jesus doesn't come to condemn the law. That's why he doesn't want to abolish it. Instead, he wants to complete it. If somebody says, I want to complete something, that implies that it's what? Incomplete. So Jesus comes to complete what God was doing in human history. So now that we have Jesus, we're going to hear how God, in the, in the book of Hebrews, we're going to hear how God had worked with human beings in order to bring them to this point where they were fully ready to understand their creator. The author of Hebrews is going to take us through the history of the Israelites. So this is a, a, a hack way to get to say you've read the whole Old Testament. Just read Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is going to take us through the whole story and he's going to show the Hebrew church how God, how, where God was in, in their history, and he's going to point out where the Israelites failed to understand what God was up to due to their inability to comprehend the full God. The people back then would hear from God in their prayers and meditations, and what they heard they wrote down, saying this, Thus says the Lord. If you write memos or emails, you should start them like that. For them, God was a mysterious cloud or fire. But now, as God promised would happen, Jesus, the human being, who is filled with the Holy Spirit himself, who represents God's full wisdom, he comes to teach Israel directly about the ways of God and how it is that we should live on this earth. Do you remember when you got the manual when you were born? You didn't. So we have to look 
at our, what our ancestors compiled. It's almost like them saying, here, read this before you live. In Hebrews, all the threads of how God has worked in the past all come together and they connect to Jesus. So in many ways, Jesus is doing what Moses did. That's what Hebrews 4 is going to tell us. Moses came to lead the Israelites to their salvation, their independence, and he brought them to the Red Sea, and they had to have the faith that God would make a way through this obstacle. But once across, they had to fully engage with God in the wilderness by trusting in his wisdom, by trusting his instruction. It's no coincidence that John the Baptist starts his ministry where? In the wilderness. It's no coincidence that after Jesus is baptized, where does he get sent? The wilderness. Where did the Israelites first encounter God? In the wilderness. And in Greek, the, the word wilderness means is eremos, and it means an isolated or desolate place. If you've ever been to an isolated or desolate place, you can just, the, the best image of, of it I have is Castaway, Tom Hanks. Remember that volleyball? He starts talking to this volleyball and loves it, almost like it's a companion. When you're in a dark or isolated place, that's actually a very sacred place because you will start talking to you. <laughs> I love watching wilderness shows on TV, particularly Bear Grylls. He has this one show, Man vs. Wild, Celebrity Edition. Those are my favorites because you see some famous person who thinks this is going to be fun, and it's not. <laughs> uh, they get to see how wild the wilderness really is when they hang out with Bear Grylls. And you can always see the look of shock on their face when he brings them their first meal. I remember he caught a chicken, and all they had was just the chicken. And the way you eat a chicken out in the wild is you turn it inside out. <laughs> By then, the people are saying, why did I sign up for this wilderness excursion? Um, but out there, Bill Bear Grylls takes this person, and he doesn't just do everything for them. He actually shows them how to live in the wild. Uh, and it's, it's a tough, long process, but it's very fun. And the person comes out in the end saying, I couldn't believe I got through that, and I'm a changed person. The wilderness is a place where you must learn how to master your environment and also yourself. It's a place of disorientation, but if one can survive, it's a place of reorientation. You see, the wilderness is a place where you're on your own, and when you're on your own, that's when you and God start having a relationship. You talk to yourself, you talk to your environment, and it speaks back to you. The passage today in Hebrews takes us into the Israelites' journey with Moses and shows them how God rescued them as they crossed the Red Sea, but it shows their victory and their failure at the same time. They wanted God to come intervene for them. They wanted a Savior to come and rescue them from their circumstances, and God does do it. He brings Moses to the people, and Moses has a higher awareness of God. So he can hear from God. But the people needed to also have an awareness of God. But because they couldn't understand or, or fathom what God was up to, they just followed Moses 
out of Egypt, but by the time they were in the promised land, they wanted to go back. I know many Christians who think like this. They come to church, they pray, they read the Bible, and then they think, God, come rescue me from everything that I'm dealing with. They don't realize that in order to become fully aware of God, you can't just be rescued by God. You have to walk with God. The author of Hebrews tells us that the Hebrews crossed the Red Sea, but then they got stuck wandering in the wilderness because once they were free, they didn't want to live into their salvation. They made a big leap only to fall down and get stuck. And the author uses the example from the past to show them about what Jesus was doing. Jesus is basically saying to the Hebrews, look at our people's history, look at our growth and development. He wants to show them that they're in the same scenario they were in as in the days of the ancestors who got stuck. They received their salvation from God, but then they immediately lost their faith and were thinking about turning around. That Jesus had come so that he could lead people to salvation is a fact. But where were the people when Jesus died? They abandoned him. They left him. But they weren't just abandoning Jesus. They were abandoning their own salvation. Do you know what salvation really is? It's a consciousness about God. An awareness of God that overtakes the old way of viewing God. And what's the old way of viewing God? God is going to rescue me from all my problems. Doesn't that sound childish? I remember when I was a kid and my mom would tell me to clean my room. And you know what I did? I just laid on the floor. I would be covered in baseball cards and comic books until one day, magically, when I went to school and came back, my mom had broke and cleaned my room for me. She saved me from my messy ways. But is that the goal of a child's life? To be stuck at home, living like a child who's completely dependent on mom to dress them, feed them, and clean up after them? No, the goal of that period of your life is to learn how to clean your own room so that when the time is right, you become your own person. Hebrews is trying to teach us today what God was doing, and our passage today invites us to live into what God has for each of us. What is that? When Jesus was leaving his disciples, do you know what he said? He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I leave you. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. From the very beginning, Jesus' plan was to come and leave his disciples. But his disciples didn't want that. And the desire to keep Jesus with us led the early church to just do what? He's coming soon. He's coming back soon. But Jesus didn't come back. And the letter to the Hebrews speaks directly to this. That it was time for the Hebrew people to stop waiting for Jesus to come and save them. He already did. By taking with them the first step. With Moses that was pulling them out of the Egyptian life so that they could become their own people. 
And with Jesus, it was pulling the Hebrew people out of a religion where God just saves everybody from their problems and you don't have to do anything. You don't learn from the experience. God actually wants to walk with you through your problems so that you can learn how to grow up and mature through them. Jesus gave it to them straight. And he said to them, I have come to set you free. But living as a free person isn't always easy. How many times have I heard that Jesus loves me, that Jesus saves me, that God is tucking me in at night after I say my prayers? That's what Christianity has done for 2,000 years. The letter to the Hebrews is a wake-up call. It reminds us that God will rescue you from our fear, from death, from worry, from guilt, shame, and the like. But are you willing to grow and mature just like Jesus did? That's what the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, is trying to communicate to us. We're looking to Jesus like he's our parent, when Hebrews actually says he's our brother. And our brother gives us these instructions. It says this, Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and slander, and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Who here is actively working on these things? See, for 2,000 years, the church has has taught us that Jesus will do all of these things for us. But what Jesus wants us to do is to actually work on these things. These are the instructions that Scripture is giving to us. And for a lot of people today, people are not coming to church or they feel like it's empty or it's not important anymore. And it's because of, I I think, it's because people are growing past this God that will just come and rescue them. And they're actually seeking a God who's going to show them, like Bear Grylls, how to survive the wild of this life. Because it's in living life. See, that's the experience we get. It's in living life and learning from it and going through the ups and downs that you actually don't just discover who God is. Do you know who you discover? Who you are. And that's the gift. See, Jesus says, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be what? Born again. It has to happen. And the religious people said, how can I go back and be born again? And Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth that comes when we grow and develop. Do you remember your teenage self? Are you anything like that person? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) But was it you? Was it you? Yes. But you grew out of that. Haven't your responsibilities changed? Haven't you grown and developed? Do you still think, or do we have any, that there's magical things that happen at night, you know, when, at, at, and people, we all know the secrets of the parents now. <laughs> we all know that those were just stages. And what I wanted to stress today is that the Bible itself should reflect human development. And what it's saying is this, you have to grow up into your salvation. We never hear that stuff, 
But the Bible, in all its nooks and crannies, speaks specifically that you won't taste that the Lord is good until you are fully aware of how good the Lord really is. That's our message to the Hebrews this week. You have it in your bulletin. It's very short. I encourage you to read through it because when we make this faith our own and not just the clergy's, it says we're all priests, we're all ministers. When we make this our own, then we move into a real relationship with God as we grow and mature into the image of Jesus Christ. Thank you.